Hey everybody, it's Drew from Sleep With Me, and I'm believe it or not, I'm live here uh, from Golden Gate Park, recorded live, uh, and I've got a little announcement. We're teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you two exclusive episodes. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlist clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. Each playlist has its own topic or theme. You could try out the Music Decoded playlist with clips all about unpacking and analyzing music, uh, or Slice of Life, which is all about the crazy or incredible things that happen to everyday people. Also, Spoke has fun, exclusive content from Farrell. And that's why I'm here live at Golden Gate Park. I just concluded uh, recording one of these episodes that's only going to be available exclusively on Spoke. I'm lying here in the grass. Uh, you definitely do not want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Sleep With Me's exclusive Spoke episodes. You can find them all at Spoke.com slash sleep with me that's spoke.com slash sleep with me check it out uh and i'll see you in golden gate park at stowe lake bye guys finding quality denim jeans is tough and to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh almost impossible but at distilled spelled d-s-t-l-d you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get it a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super-duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Hi, how are you? You like my theme music there? That is a band called Les Blanks. Check them out, lesblanks.com. Uh, yeah, I'm a little winded. <laughs> uh, before I recorded this intro, I we have guys working on the plumbing underneath my apartment, so I wanted to... I was running around and uh, trying to get that taken care of. And then record this before they start drilling and making weird noises. Uh, and it makes me realize I'm just in bad shape because I didn't really do that much running. But I'm just like winded. Anyway, you know, why take care of yourself? You only have a child to, in the world, Dwyer. Uh, today, my guest, Riley Silverman, is a comedian. And uh, we talk about transgender issues and comedy and how the uh, new presidency has affected all these, uh, both of those things and many other things. And uh, many of you probably know that that's what my show has been focusing on since uh, this new presidency of how it is affecting lives personally and on the bigger picture. And I talk to artists and activists and, and p people who this directs, uh, directly affects and, uh, you know, the whole picture there. Um and uh, I was talking with a friend yesterday, just how she and she was like, "This this whole Russian Gate thing is just like an episode of Twenty Four, and like I've gotten so skeptical and questioning of everything. I'm like, is that intentional? Are they intentionally just trying to make this seem like a TV drama? And it's like hard because I because I grew up a product of movies, and uh, you know that's and uh, I've written my whole life that I st I always think ahead of like well then it's going and then I can't allow it to be because it's not going to play out like a movie because life never does because technically life has no happy endings because we all die <laughs> it's, we all die and uh, that's not a happy ending 
because uh, then people are left miserable. Um, what a happy life, you know, unless you're a born-again Christian, because then the happy ending is heaven. Um, but I guess supposedly some people are going to be being doing interviews. They're not saying testifying, they're saying interviews, which I, I don't know, maybe... But uh, Roger Stone, Roger Stone, I don't know if you know this guy, but first of all, he has a tattoo of Nixon on his back. So uh, that just, like, that just says automatically, you're not a fan of the Constitution and truth. <laughs> it's, it's like, you, you, uh, Nixon is your hero, and Nixon was not a good, that's really not a good role model for democracy. But Roger Stone, I don't know if you saw him, he was on the news, he, uh, sort of saying how he was fine and like uh, he didn't do anything wrong even though he talked to Guccifer but uh he's wearing like a black leather jacket these round 60 sunglasses and a black kango on backwards the dude's like 70 and it's and it's like this is a weird way to sort of present yourself as not is dressing like uh Samuel L Jackson playing a villain it was and he also there's this like air about the guy like you know, he takes dick pills and then has sex and he's like, still got it. Like totally just ignoring the fact that he had to take dick pills, like still got it. And then it's, of course, he's probably paying for the sex, so but he's still like, still can get the young ones. <laughs> and he's got the vibe about maybe liking the young ones if you get my drift there. Um, wheezing. So anyway, if uh, just real quick. Um, oh, I started this thing. Uh, you could go to my Twitter page, Matt underscore Dwyer, and I've been retweeting Bannon at Bannon Liver, and I've been tweeting as Steve Bannon's liver. I just started it this week, so there's not a ton on there, but if you want to follow that, and then just go to my website, thematdwyer.com, and follow my various things and read my blogs and buy my album. All things, all things you can do. Also, please review my show on iTunes. Um, and give it for you know eight million stars, and uh, write to me conversations with Dwyer, or if write to me through my website. I would like to hear what's going on, have guest suggestions, and all that. I want to know my listeners, and sometimes you do these podcasts and you're just like I'm howling into the canyon, where only the werewolves listen. <laughs> I meant to say coyotes, but I like that better. Like. The, the werewolves in the canyon being like, oh, there's that Dwyer guy again screaming along. Um, all right, let's get into the conversation with Riley Silver. Uh, it's weird because we don't see each other often. No, not, we, yeah, not often at all. But uh, I always enjoy talking to you. And then, like we were talking out there, and I got a, you put me in a really good mood. And then I usually come in to start my podcast and I talk, talk about uh, dark and awful things in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I feel like I feel like I'm disappointing my my five listeners who like my depressing conversation. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as I told you out there, I, we talk about uh, the great developments of our our great world leader, Orangey. Yeah. I don't. I refuse to say his name. Are you one of those people? I I go. I come and go on it. I kind of just go how I feel in the moment. So I, I have said his name. I do tend to type forty five when I'm tweeting about him or whatever. But I do also have that mentality of like, like I'm you know as a Harry Potter fan, I'm like, am I giving him power by not saying <laughs> by not saying Voldemort? Like, am I in that person? Oh, so. is that a thing? And. Yeah, there's a there's a villain in Harry Potter whose name is Voldemort, but they always refer to him as he who should not be named. And then like part of the thing is like some of the more like some of the more brave like heroic characters are like I'm not gonna be afraid to say his name. But then like you find out spoiler alert uh, in the last book that it's like a curse on his name so that if you say it they can like find you. So if you're like if you're on the road on the run you're you're running from these people. If you say his name it helps them to know where you are and trace you or whatever. See, I should. Uh, my wife is fanatical about that movie i was gonna say show that shows it's actually right. a book series but a yeah, yeah. Se- no fuck we don't talk about books too. here okay <laughs> right it is a book series yeah. i knew that but not unlike the uh the trump white house you don't talk about books i gotcha yeah that's fair exactly so uh, where's your level of rage with this because i'm like uh, we're what are, what are we in 60 days in Oh God! Is it that long? Oh and my I just God, feel like it is, I, isn't it? I, my, uh, it is. Oh my God! It's 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 the end of March. Holy crap! He's been in, he's been in the office for two full months now. And it feels like we're just in some Twilight Zone episode. But it's a uh, uh, 
like I'm at the point where I think I'm like exhausted. I can't be angry anymore. But there's just sort of this haze of like. Um, I, I think it's like a new emotion. Yeah, I think I'm exactly in that, that same place. Like I'm, I'm definitely feeling what they were like were warning about. Like watch out for resistance fatigue. And I'm like, I don't think that's a thing. That's a thing. I'm feeling it. But I'm also still like, I just I'm so flabbergasted the heat that it's all real still. Like there's so many times like like I just will wake up in the morning and something will just like my day will be going okay and then like the first thing it reminds me and i was like oh god this is the world this is what it is this is where we are <laughs> oh my god like yeah except that i was thinking because then something comes out like the resist bot have you got that thing where it's like a you text yeah 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 and i was like oh that that's good because now i don't have to really like I, I could just type like in my bathtub while I'm pondering slitting my throat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like last thing, yeah, you don't have a note; you just have a letter to your Congress. Like you actually, you're, 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 you're instead of sending your your please vote no on this thing message, you're sending the the suicide note that's explaining why you did it. Maybe we should just start doing that for everything. Like, uh, hey, Kamala Harris, uh, I just really thinking maybe we should get a burger sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe one of us can end up dating Kamala Harris. I think she's married. I think she's that doesn't doing, mean she yeah. doesn't fuck around. She's poli- politicians. Yeah. It's almost like comedians. That's true. But I, I also I also feel like uh, I, I don't know where to go with that. Yeah, I think you're, <laughs> yeah. I did not expect to be sexually harassing Kamala Harris on the podcast, so I did not yeah, prepare I didn't myself. I encourage <laughs> sexual harassment. I asked her out on a proper date. That's fair. That's fair. As a married man. But then, yeah, say, but they, what, you, I think once you say she's married, yeah, she bangs around. I think that's the point where it starts to move around a little bit. Yeah, okay. I stepped out of line. I get it. You didn't really. <laughs> I, it was As a joke, but then I, I yes ended it in the wrong direction. Yeah. I uh, I live in paranoia of, because uh, you know how we're comedians, so we yeah. let, sometimes we just let things fly. But I live in total fear of like one day, you know, sometimes you, because our nature is to kind of push it a little bit. Yeah. But you don't want to push it too much <laughs> yeah and i live in fear of like just one of those days and then it's on tape and someone's like well you said that thing yeah everything's everything's recorded in on tape and on on paper and or not paper but ink on screen and, and <laughs> could be and on paper. everywhere it's, it's 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 everything is recorded forever and i'm so glad that i was open micing in the early 2000s like right before that started really being the thing like i'm so glad that like my old open mic sets are not recorded in posterity and uh, michael connell has a uh uh, he has a tape of me doing stand-up in 98, and it is so fucking embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's on VHS, by the way. <laughs> oh, God, I have tapes that are on those like weird little, like like those video camera micro cassette tapes that you have to like then put into the thing to play on a VHS player, or you have to plug the camera into the TV for it to play. I yeah I have yeah that's I have a couple of those and I I'm just glad nobody has that technology anymore because I was embarrassingly bad in 1998. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure mine are horrible. Like, and mine are, yeah, oh my God. Because I used to be such like a one linery, just like random joke comic, and I'm not anymore. So the idea of me like, doing these like stupid observational jokes about like camping or whatever when I hadn't camped in like 20 years, <laughs> like, you know? I was trying to be, uh, I was trying to be like really political and smart, and I, I, I don't think I had that. Like, I'm political and I'm smart, but I can't marry the two. <laughs> yeah, I can't be political and funny for the most part. Most um, people can't, though. I, I Every time I try to, I just get so pissed off that I can't, like, get a good joke out of it. And I, I also just, like, in this thing where... It's the same thing that I think about with comedy in general. Like, I remember when I had been doing comedy... You know, I started in 2001, so I remember... A few years later, when Dane Cook really broke, like when he like was just like, because I remember I came out to LA in 05, and I think uh, Annihilation had just come out on as a CD, and there was like a big, um, like poster of him on the comedy uh, Laugh Factory wall that outside that was like his fists, and it had like his name tattooed on his fists or whatever, um, and I remember. That's like suddenly when the, the switch flipped and comics just all hated them all of a sudden. And I remember being at open mics. I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. I remember being at open <laughs> mics or shows and having comedians be on stage and talking about how much they hated Dane Cook and hated Dane Cook's comedy. And I remember being in the back going, like, I don't really have an opinion either way that much, but why are you giving your stage time to Dane Cook? Like, why are you spending your time on stage talking about this other comedian that you you don't like instead of just doing your own act? Like, why isn't... And so I feel that way about some political stuff. Like, unless I have a really funny point, I'm like, I don't want to give any my time to Donald Trump. Like, he's already got enough of my time during the day. And when I get on stage in front of an audience at the microphone, like, that's my time to speak. Like... 
Yeah, I and I remember that era of dank, and I was like, I thought the same thing. I was like, why the fuck are you, why, who cares? That's like, yeah, it's like when, there's so many subjects I just wish people would leave alone. In. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm so glad that I that I didn't have social media in the first several years that I was doing comedy because I I love comedy still, and I'm like I think I'm one of the few people who actually does love comedy. It feels like because. I started, like I said, 2000s. I was doing comedy for several years, and before there was like suddenly MySpace and then Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. And now I'll see people who have been doing comedy for like six months or less than a year, and they're tweeting or writing Facebook ads about how much comedy sucks and how miserable it is and what a grind it is. And I literally want to be like, why are you doing it? Like, you don't have to. Like, it's not, it's, no one's requiring you to do if you hate it this much this early you're never going to be happy do you think they're emulating because I feel like that's first of all you have to earn to, to earn that and yeah. you haven't in a year but it's also it's like if you're that miserable even if you've done it for 20 years then get the fuck out but yeah. like, do you think they're just sort of emulating Older comics. Oh who, yeah, I think they are for so sure. So that makes them seem like they're grizzled and yeah, like fucking. De- I think I think it does, and I think I think in bigger scenes too. There's like a pride in the grind where it's like, oh, the more I'm killing myself to do this, the more I actually want it and the more I care about it. But for me, it's like I just love doing it, and so I'm going to do it because I love it. I'm not doing it like, dist- I'm not. It's not a coal mine. Like I don't want to work in a coal mine. That's why I'm doing stand-up <laughs> comedy because those are my two choices. That's what like, that's what it was. It was rally being a coal mine. No, um, that was it. Uh, no, but, I just. You know, I I don't want to to think of comedy as like this is my this is my desolate job that I have to do. You know what I mean? Like it is weird because it's like that's why I I saw my dad come home from working like you know fifteen hour days as a as a uh, laborer construction laborer and I was like, well I don't want to come home and be exhausted and I was like. Oh, I'll do this. They pick up fake objects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there is some degree to like, yes, you should have as much of a work ethic as those people do, but you also are doing a thing that you choose to do out of love. Yeah. Like, there's this great poem. It's old by um, by Seamus Haney, the writer, and he's talking about like how his whole family were like ditch diggers or whatever. And then and he's like, oh, between my finger and my my thumb, the my, the squat pen rests, and I'll dig with that. So there is that element of like, I do need to put the work in. But I I do think that if you're in any sort of entertainment or performance kind of thing. You have to love doing that work, and if you, I mean, I, yeah, the business itself of comedy will get me down sometimes. Like they have to deal with industry people, have to try to like, like promote shows, or have to like deal with that kind of stuff. That can be a grind, but the actual act of being a comic and doing comedy is is the best. It's awesome. Like I love it. Yeah, performing is especially when you're I don't know when you're out of LA and like in a foreign world because here it's like it gets weird because you're around the same people a lot but mm-hmm. it's like when you're in a different element and it's working and it, and you, it's like you're like holy fuck I can't believe I'm like being paid to be in another city to yammer oh my god yeah I just came back from San Francisco and it was the best it was like such a great weekend to have like time and I did a show it's funny because you know as much as LA is like the liberal bubble I did a show in San Francisco that was on Thursday night that was like almost entirely queer women in the audience and it was the best it was like oh my god y'all kind of look like me in some degree I'm like <laughs> I'm like, everyone in this room gets misgendered on the phone. This is fantastic. Although there is some like downside to that where you're like, oh, you're all my people. Now all my setups and punchlines are just things that you know from your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm so used to performing for people more like like people who are like not You were going to say me, with, weren't yes. you? I was going to say the same thing. White, yeah, people more familiar, white guys. Yeah, white, like, not just white guys, but like, yeah, like people who like are more mainstream and like typically straight, typically cisgender. Um yeah, a lot of men, a lot of women. I, I I tend to play for a lot of women in L.A. because there are enough like shows that are actively like realizing that women might be in the audience too. Um, so I do those, but it's still different when it's like like when it's a whole room full of crew cuts. Like there's definitely some and like and like, and like side cuts and and things like that. There's definitely some changes to how you have to do your material. Have you played any sort of? Uh... Redder, I guess, more <laughs> the red states or red. So I started in red states. I started in Columbus, Ohio, but that was before I came out as trans. So I did like one nighters were my career for the first like seven or eight years that I was doing comedy, especially like towards the end of that chunk of time. I was making most of my money on the road doing comedy on these like awful one nighter gigs. Um, I've only done a few of those since coming out. I don't know how well they would go, and I don't know how safe I would be doing some of them, because there were definitely rooms that I did in those days where 
even the fact that I would like, because I have a Jewish last name, and even that was dicey at some of these things. I've seen that in, in from crowds. Yeah, and like I remember like having them at least they, like I've had somebody in an audience thank me for at least still being white. Like that was a thing that happened. Jesus Christ! So I can't imagine going now at something. And I but there is some there is some degree of me that kind of like wants to do it to be like let's see what happens you know but then i'm like oh but what if what happens is i'm i'm murdered like what if that's what happens you know and then it's like oh okay that's not a good call um i have done comedy back in ohio where i'm from and because columbus ohio my hometown is a pretty liberal city but it's surrounded by a lot of like upper like white class like upper class white area and like and then and then like outside of that is like very rural so there is like a very widespread swath of of class and 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 racial backgrounds and some of that so some of that can get very red statey very quickly and i've I've done okay with that too and i have done some stuff down in orange county in la to up south of la too and that's been interesting at times but have you noticed because I, i have a racially mixed family and I have nieces and nephews who are half Mexican, but they're they're super dark. So okay. it's like the world, the racists don't see a half white kid; they see a really yeah. dark kid. And literally, the it's night, not like they saw a half white kid. They'd be like, "Oh well, they're half white, so I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be a little less offensive today." I'll like, just call them a sp. Yeah. I, oh God, I'm so, I'm so glad you stopped. Uh, well, no, it was because he went halfway. No, I got it. I know, but you I, didn't got know it. I didn't know if you got that for a second. So I was like, "Oh God, what if he doesn't get the premise that we're freaking with?" Like, and I have what friends. if he doesn't get his own premise? <laughs> <laughs> when someone starts a slur, you don't expect to be like, "Okay, this bit's gonna pay off." <laughs> uh, anyway, there's, and I have friends in LA who have dealt with because this is a is pretty much as liberal as it gets here. But since it's been hostile. And there's been more, even in Los Angeles, I have had friends who've been confronted in bars. Yeah. And have you experienced anything, even in this city, which... Um, I mean, I've always had problems in this city, even even before this happened. Like, I've been assaulted in Los Angeles, and I've had people. I, I think I'm 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 getting to a point in my transition where I don't immediately read to people on the street like I used to. So, um, I I haven't had as much of that problem in the last couple of years. Uh, that shows. I'm still doing pretty liberal comedy shows so in LA, so I don't think it's been a huge problem. I think most people who don't agree with what I'm saying or doing tend to just sit in the audience with their arms folded across. They're not getting violent, but they're they're just unappreciative. Um, <laughs> um, trying to think of anything. I keep umming. I'm sorry. I keep thinking of something. I've I've had some weirdness, but nothing nothing that I didn't already get before the election. Yeah, I mean, because I'm a white guy, I've witnessed it. Like and like, my wife has noticed things and stuff. So, but it's like I don't. So I I don't like go to the grocery store and suddenly have some guy being like, "Well, I'm not gonna." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna angrily check your milk. I mean, I definitely get intentionally misgendered all the time by clerks at restaurants like that. Like that's something that's just part of my life. So, like I, I have people who will like emphasize the sir while they're ringing me up, and that's just a thing that I unfortunately have to just kind of like I, I when it when it's really egregious or I'm in the right mood I may complain about it but for the most part it's like if I spend all my time responding to that I'll never do anything else so you'll still be at the checkout counter yeah like or I'll be writing emails to corporate or things like that and it's like sometimes I just want to get my pizza and go and it's like I, I just make a note to myself like I'm, I'm not going to come to this particular location ever again like that's just what happens in my mind so how does that if, if, like I mean, does that fuck your day, or do you just choose, like, all right, I'm not going to let these motherfuckers get me? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It depends on the mood that I'm in. Some There are some days where I go, I'm not going to let them get me, and there's some days where it does kind of mess my day up. Like, I had, I had a really messed up thing recently where, and I, I won't name the club, but I performed at a show recently where they were tweeting promos of, of the show that I was, I was headlining a show in a small, in, like, the, one of the side stages or whatever, and they used a picture of me from before I transitioned. Like they used like a boy mode photo of me, and I was so furious. Like it ruined my day. And like they never really got what the problem was. Like they were all like, "Oh, we're sorry." It was like, "No, you can't just." That's not like a thing that you can just do and be ah whoops. Like it was so it was so bizarre to me that like they did that they did it to begin with, and then like I remember I tweeted at them to take it down the first time it happened, and then about an hour later they tweeted it again, and. 
they were like, oh, you know what? We we had pre-scheduled our tweets for this, and we just didn't realize we had we had, had scheduled, the other one scheduled, so we took we, did, we didn't take it down when we took the first one down, which I will buy that. That, that is probably what happened. I don't, I don't think there's any sort of weird nefarious thing, like, we'll put it up and see how long it takes for her to get pissed. So I don't think that's what happened. So, But it's one of those things where when you're already mad about something, and then it happens again, it just feels so disrespectful. And then like the, the promotions guy was talking to me about it, and he was just like, well, what can we do to make this right? And I'm like, well, fix it. Take it down and put me something and then he's like well why don't you send us some more pictures so that you can have pictures that you want up there which I'd already done and they but they didn't look at those pictures they googled but I, I sent them a bunch of pictures like any of these photos would be fine and then they like didn't do anything the rest of the day they didn't promote the show at all and like he was like well we used this other promotion picture but that was like from a few days earlier so like that is, you didn't do that in response to what happened you just already happened to have that one which also means you could have used that one to begin with but anyway <laughs> um so then at the sh- at the show, he comes to me and he's like, well, it seems like you're still pretty aggravated. I'm like, yeah, I'm not just over this. This is not a thing that I'm just like, well, that's done. That's a- You literally tweeted pictures of me as a man to promote my show, like with my name on it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be happy about that. And the... Do you, do you think there was any deliberate? I, I, I don't think so, I, but I do think that it could have been handled way better. I, I, I don't want to believe there's anything deliberate about it because I don't want to have that in my head that much. I think it was a complete mistake that just kept continually getting handled incorrectly. I think I think the issue was more in like not understanding the problem when I tried to start explaining what the problem was. Yeah. I just, I feel like, and maybe this is delusional on my part. What? My dirty laundry is what I feel like I'm oh. doing now all of a sudden. <laughs> then this guy, you know. <laughs> Let's get names yeah. and get their addresses. Let's take well, this to... <laughs> but like when the, guy, when the guy was talking to me, he's like, well, I heard there was a photo that you didn't like. I'm like, it's not that I don't like the photo. It's not like, oh, I have an extra chin in this photo. You're not photo. being a prima donna. Yeah, you're you're invalidating my identity by this picture. Like, And I guess that's why I just want your listeners who don't know trans issues to understand, like, this is not just like a minor prima donna diva thing. This is a, I have plenty of crappy photos of me from the last couple of years you could have used instead and I would have been like <laughs> I've been like oh that's a bad picture but okay but this was more this was a picture of me prior to my transition look I spent I have spent far too much money on on pharmaceuticals and on on legal documentation changes to to let that be okay is that is that a huge challenge like the what you like do they make that easy for you to they've the documentation? It, they've made it easier. Um, it's easier in California than it is in most other states in the country. Other states, um, it's not easy at all. In some states, it's actually impossible. Um, the only the only problem for me in California was the cost was very prohibitive. In LA, it was like uh, in California in general, it was like four hundred and thirty dollars to do it, and I had to like save up for that for quite a while to get that. Like, like you know, I'm a comic. I have a day job, and I'm still a comic, and I'm not like loaded and full of money, and I make too much money because like people have lower income can get that waived for different reasons like financial hardships but I made too much money for the hardship qualification but not enough money to actually pay for it but I have one of those like apps on my phone that like pulls a little bit of money out at a time and you don't really notice it like a couple like cents here and there and then eventually I had like 400 plus bucks in that account so over the course of, like several months so then I finally was like okay I'll just use it I, I didn't know I was saving it so I'll put this in the in the money for the yeah, four hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I'm glad I could make that noise out of yeah. my throat. <laughs> and that's that's just the cost of the court fees. Like, there's also you know you have to get a new driver's license and you have to get a passport and you have to do so all that kind of stuff. You have to do step by step. And the one thing that I really is I'm bummed about is that because I wasn't born in California, I can't take advantage of this. In California, if I had been born here, when I went through that process automatically they would have also reissued me a new birth certificate that had my gender changed on it. Whereas I'm from Ohio, which does not have that ability, and the only thing you can do in Ohio is get an amendment to your certificate and you have to prove surgery to do it. So I'm not ever going to probably do that. And I also wouldn't even get my full certificate. I would just get an amendment saying that my gender had been changed, which wouldn't really matter if if the powers that be decide to really crack down on trans like restrictions and stuff like that. All they have to do is make it up birth certificates, and I'm still... SOL, despite all the work that I did to change my name and everything like that. So, do you fear fear that this administration is going to take further actions? I, I do. Um, I every time that they've been, I mean, they, they were put in a position to not do it, and they did it. So, you know, they, they, there was there was absolutely no reason to rescind the uh, the guidelines for protection for trans students in schools. There was literally no like political capital being gained from it, and they did it anyway. And I don't understand why they would do that. But as a result, I mean, I know why because they're assholes. But they. <laughs> 
Like there was no reason to do it, and it was one of the first things that they did, like as a combined effort. And it actively emboldened assholes in schools. Like I've been reading so many articles now about kids in schools who've been getting bullied tenfold more since that decision was made than before it. And I just like, what to what end? What was the point of doing that? Like you literally put like children in harm's way for for nothing for because you're too scared to ever think that somebody else's identity might be fucking valid for a second. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's bizarre because he r- runs on. I mean, he's a fucking bullshit artist, so it doesn't matter what he runs on. But like jobs, yeah, job, 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 jobs, and it's like he hasn't done one fucking thing. Like supposedly the yeah. carrier thing, which is you know, yeah, well, he keeps taking credit things that he didn't do. Yeah, but it's like the first things they do are hate hateful. Yeah, Muslim ban. Um, this whole this student thing and things like that. It's like I don't understand why. Yeah. It's just it. I was thinking this trying more, to defund Planned Parenthood. Yeah, it's all yeah. And it's like, and then health insurance. It's like you're not doing one fucking thing for the for the the common good. Yeah, except and it's like it's odd because my two nephews who are uh, half Mexican live in Ohio, and like the day after the election, kids were like, "Hey, you're going to be deported." Yeah, my brother has a fierce temper, and that didn't go. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine it did. Yeah. He went to the guy's door and said, if this happens again, I'll kill you. Yeah. yeah I don't think he would. And then but... he was deported <laughs> for being a bad hombre. Yeah, he's Ugh. a bad hombre. Ugh. But it's just weird because this morning I was like, during the Obama administration, I, I actually thought at one point, I was like, man, we've really progressed. Like, and not that we didn't have battles or, or and things, but I yeah. was like, I was like, oh man, we finally, like, things are headed in a positive direction, and and I was like, this will be a cool world for my, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a nosedive, and yeah, I mean, like, there were plenty of things about Obama's policies and administration that I didn't love. I didn't love how dependent he was on, on uh, drones and drone strikes. I didn't like how much he used executive orders to get his way across. I, I think he set the table for Trump to do it. Um, I also did not you know, I think he also deported too many people. Like that's something we don't talk about very often, and we should. But that doesn't mean that we are cool with it happening more now. Like, and the way he did it was not quite as dickish. Like, but yeah, it's it's weird that that argument is always like, well, Obama did it. It's like, first of all, that doesn't make it right. Yeah, like that's the weirdest excuse. Yeah, liberals complained about it when he did it. So. You know, it's like, well, uh, my dad beat me, so I guess I can beat my kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there's things he did that I didn't like, but I felt like overall we were moving towards something and we were able to like, address things and work and like incrementally fix things. And yeah, I like to jump ahead a little bit, but uh, and, and be doing better. But I definitely didn't want to do this big step back. I, I think a lot of people on the left, I think there was this weird sense that if we got Trump elected instead of Hillary, when it became clear it was going to be one of the two of them, like, oh, well, we'll be, if we get Trump elected, we'll, we'll, actually, we'll have an actual revolution. And I'm like, that is not going to work in the way that you think it's going to. What instead we're going to do is now we're going to be fighting for the stuff we already had as opposed to trying to get stuff we needed to add to it. Yeah, I always thought that that whole, like, well, like, uh, it doesn't, what, what's her name, thought, like, well, it would be great if the actress who shoots Also, since Sarandon? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, if the government crumbles, that doesn't mean like the altruistic great people are going to step in and be like, let's build a utopia. No. That's when the real shit heels come in. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's very naive thinking. Yeah. It's like, it, you, you know, there's this whole mentality about our government that's like, oh, well, you can't use the corrupt tools to fix it. It's like, well, what are you planning on using instead? Because, yeah, like, if you collapse the entire society, it's going to be a long time before we rebuild anything. And it's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of blood in between that. And the marginalized people that are that we're trying to protect are going to be the first ones on the firing line. Like, they're the first ones taken down. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got what we wanted. I'm glad we got that revolution. Yeah, and well, I've seen a couple people who've who have stated that they're like, well, that didn't work. Like he's being, you know, the the yeah. system is he's being a, exactly what he promised he would be. Yeah, yeah. it's like, of course, this it didn't crumble. Yeah. I don't know. It's, and then also the people who, who when he got elected, were like, the system will stop him. They haven't yet. The system seems to not. Like, the only thing the system has, not, has done to stop him is that Congress can't stop climbing over each other to not pass the, the health care law, which I think that's like the one thing that's been okay so far is that that health care thing didn't pass. I mean, it's probably going to come back to it at some point. But 
that's it. Everything else, all, all these congressmen and senators who speak out against him, like McCain, they still vote for his his nominees. They still vote for his ideas. It, it's yeah. McCain just goes up to the fence. He doesn't. And he, it took him even a while to get specific. He was very, being vague. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's uh. Yeah, I keep thinking though, because now he Trump has been going after the Republicans a bit, and I'm like, that's not a smart move on your behalf because they will fuck him if they have to. Yeah. And they can very easily. That's the thing is like what I've learned within the last week. I'm, I'm like, oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. Like I used to think that maybe Bannon was an evil genius. Yeah. And he still might have that element, but it's like they're not as they're, they really are just bumbling around. Like putting Kutchner in front of a SWAT in charge of a SWAT team, yeah, to dismantle bureaucracy. It's like he's a kid. Yeah, first of, I mean, not to demean anybody in their thirties, but it's like you don't know bureaucracy or policy. You're, he's just uh, he's just he's just the guy's son-in-law. Like he literally is just like ah, the family business. We're running the country. It, it's it's mind-boggling. Getting back to comedy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, you have Kushner a tight five in front of the uh, the headliner? <laughs> But I was, because I'm not in the stand-up world as much anymore, and by that I mean not at all. Uh, oh, good for you. No, I don't know. It's a, that's no, a, I'm kidding. I I love stand-up. I I just, earlier just said that whole thing about how I love comedy. Now I'm like, you're out of comedy. Good for you. I love it. But no, I just it, my life shifted, and I'm like prioritizing. I'm like, well, I, I got to f- focus on things I need to. I want to uh, write things. You and, have family, and then that's actually. Oh, she really argument. fucked it up for yeah, me. She really did. <laughs> By saying but yes, yeah. Do you see a change in the, the scene overall, or people being more political? And is it? I don't know. Uh, I think I might be bubbling myself. I think that I, 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 I stopped doing open mics in LA a long time ago because they were making me miserable and they weren't making me a better comic. And so I don't know what they're like right now. Uh, and I, whenever I get a peek into them, it just seems like a miserable hellhole. So I don't, <laughs> I don't get too involved in that. Um, I, I, I tend to at this point have the the privilege in comedy to be able to kind of just get booked on the shows that I want to do and not have to do like all these like side things which I know someone would be like oh she's not doing the best she can to become a better comic and you know what I'm kind of okay with that I honestly I'm at this point in my career I've been doing it for a while and I'm, I'm at a point in my career where I just want to enjoy my life and what I'm doing and even if it means I don't get as famous as I could otherwise but I'm doing what I enjoy doing and I like being around the people that I'm around I'm fine with it and I'm I've been happier in comedy because of that in the last several years than I had for a long time. First of all, yeah, I think, like, more successful. I think as long as you're doing what makes you happy and, like, in that level, then then, then that's successful. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah. that's I, There's so many weird layers of, like, well, like, how much you making? It's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. But... I'd like to make a little more. That's the one. Yeah. The well, yeah, yeah, put... reason why I want to make more, I don't even want to be rich. The only thing that I want to be doing to be making a little more money is that, like I like I said, I went to San Francisco this past weekend. I had a blast. And I would like to be able to make enough money that I could like, do that more often and not have to worry about like nickel and diming what's going to happen when I get there. Like, you know, right, right now I'm very fortunate that I have family there I can stay with. But if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been able to go. And so I would like to just be able to be like, okay, well, so I don't even need to be rich. I just wish I had like maybe like a few freelance gigs that I could like do during the day and like be able to work around and still go enjoy trips to places and make people laugh in other cities. Yeah. Holden, do you, would you have like a regular nine to five? Yeah. You're looking at the time? No, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm captivated by watching the, the levels because it moves so slow compared to what I think it should be moving. So. Like it looks like we're like doing like, like it looks like we're like a dot matrix printer is printing out like what we're talking about as opposed to it being like as we talk. Oh, now he's oh, gonna yeah. zoom it out to ruin my my fun. All right. Uh, but do you see- that was captivating for your listeners at home? I'm sure. <laughs> it's like we did prop comedy. Yeah. Hey, there's a cool thing you're looking at and you can't see it. But do you feel like Sorry. Com- <laughs> comics have become more political? That's what I've heard. Like everyone's like now everyone's got a few minutes they got on on what's going on. Yeah, I think so, but less because everyone's getting more political and more like it's impossible not to talk about it. It's what's happening in the world right now. And there was like a degree, I would say after the election, there was this really sudden huge upturn in like fundraiser shows and like what they're calling like resistance shows where like there was a there's a comic in LA Vanessa Gritton who did this like immediate thing where she put together what she called the list of demands comedy festival and it was like the first week of december and like a bunch of shows including my week my monthly show that i run basically were like oh we're gonna have this like 
week of shows. Each one's going to raise money for a different charity uh, for a group that would be most effective at the Trump presidency. And so that was and that. So that kind of thing is really cool. And I've been I've been booked on several more shows of that ilk. Like um, I just recently did one called like Trump's Targets at uh, at Meltdown. Where it was like Caitlin Durante put a show on that was like everyone was a like a guy was trans and there was like a, there was like a Muslim comic and a black comic and then we all we all were in a boat and then the boat was okay um, <laughs> yeah but it was like it was very much like everyone on this show was someone who's directly marginalized by what's happening and my act is still not very political I I I never have been a political comic and I ne- like I mentioned I get pissed off and I'm not as funny but. The very apparently the very like act of my existence in the world is being is is a political act. So for me, just going to say, just talking about being trans translates to hey, you're on our political show now a lot of times. So, but there are I mean I I have talked about going to the women's march in San Francisco because I was I was at Sketchfest the weekend of the march, so I went and marched up there. So that is like my version of like. I'm getting political now. It's like I'm telling the story of this thing that happened, which was I went to a political march. So, yeah. Do you, was how did that affect your comedy when you came out? Because did that open up more? I mean, it obviously opens up more subject matter, but was that? Because that's almost like having to rediscover a voice. It very much was, and you're like one of the few people who actually like goes right to that, which I, I think is interesting. I it was almost like starting all over in comedy. It was. It was I so I, I had been doing comedy when I came out. I came out in two thousand nine. So I started it all once. I mean, kind of about eight years when I came out, and I I had I had had the toolbox. I knew how to write jokes. I knew how to deliver them. I had my stage presence, and I, I had gotten to this point where I was already going through kind of an on stage transition away from that more observational comedy that I was talking about earlier to more personal material. And that's kind of what led me to come out was I had this sort of epiphany of oh, well, if I'm not talking about this really important part of who I am, how honest am I really being on stage? Because for a long time, like I was getting all this like praise for how how honest and real my material was becoming. And I go, well, how honest and real can it be if I'm lying about who I am to the audience? And so that led me to coming out as trans. And yeah, and then I about, about, about nine or ten months later, I moved to Los Angeles. So it was a really interesting shift. And like I moved out here, and a lot of people, I think, thought I was a brand new comic because I didn't do the thing you're supposed to do when you move to LA or New York, where you go to a new city and you just do your best material nonstop for like a few months. So people think you're just like this heavy hitter from some other place and then they put you on everything. I didn't do that. Um, and I think, you know, to this day, I'm probably still regretting that because then I got lumped in with like this generation of new comics, even though I had real chops. But as a result of that, I found this new, I, I worked on my new voice and I'm way happier with the comedy that I'm doing now. So that's great. And I may have like not done that if I had just done my best material. So we'll, you know, you can't regret too much. But um, yeah, I think it was really tough for a while because everyone kind of put me in this box of being this like weird niche comic. But at the same time, my material was becoming more and more focused and interesting and, and, and nuanced. And I was really happy with that. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And no, it's because LA's not. I always am like marvel when people are like, "I've moved to LA and I'm going to start doing comedy." I'm like, "No, no, no, no." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like go somewhere else. Yeah. Because it's like when they see. And I feel like when I first came here, I probably could have been better at stand up, <clears throat> and people remember you for the first time they see you, and that's really fucking hard to shake. Yeah. And it's like, you have to work to... And I remember even like going to shows and then being like, oh, these fucking guys saw me bomb, so they're just going to think I suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny when I first moved here, because I was kind of still living half in and half out uh, in the, the closet. Like, I never did like full-on drag on stage like I always just was myself but I would wear like a dress or some makeup and like some like which is I mean that's how I'm transitioning too is that I would just be myself and let the changes happen naturally as they as they've been occurring but I remember people actually for a while thought that I was two different comics and that one was stealing the other one's act because I would do shows (laughs) in like jeans and a t-shirt because for a while, if I didn't want to do any of my trans material, I wouldn't present at all visibly trans on stage. I would just do my act, and I would just wear like a shirt and a blazer or whatever. And um, if I wanted to talk about how I 
am, then I would then I would wear like women's clothes on stage so that I could like have that like visual. Because like if I didn't wear anything and I'm on stage talking about it, the crowd was so confused. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening right now. Like why is this guy on stage talking about being a woman? I don't understand. So I had to kind of pick and choose my outfit based on what material I wanted to do until eventually I don't have to do that anymore. So that's interesting. I, I don't think I ever met the blazer. T-shirt. I, I don't know you. why I said blazer. I, that was like if I was hosting a club on a weekend. That was not like I was not coming in like like Steve Moore. I had a couple like 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 you know, but like like jeans and a t-shirt and yeah, and like if I'm dressing nice for a good show. And you couldn't come out. I think this is probably probably fuck things up too. But is you couldn't come out. How about that for an articulate question? This fuck things up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, it's like you're doing it with a dock worker suddenly. Uh, but you couldn't. Come out at work. That w- I had an issue with that. Yeah, oh, is I, that well, a I, issue? When I that first then? when I first moved to LA, I worked at a. So it wasn't. I should have said that on the mic. Oh God. Um, we can we could bleep that out. Yeah, please, but bleep that out. Um, I worked at that place, and I uh, <laughs> I worked for Mr. Black. I um, yeah, I worked at a store. The reason why I'm gonna I want to bleep that is because I eventually like started becoming more out at work, and. By that I mean I would just wear eyeliner to work and things like that, and then was like tipping. This guy. I was already there was a certain point where I was I was pretty burned out on being there and was like ready to move on, but need need to like force myself to do it. And I basically forced them to make me do it by like I started I just wore kilts to work twice, and that's all I did. I wore kilts and my normal eyeliner or whatever. And within like a week of the second time I did that, uh, I got fired. And oh, they, they, really? found, they found a reason to fire me that wasn't for that, but that's why they fired me. And that's why I didn't want to say the name on the mic, because I don't want to deal with like lawsuits or whatever. But um, Right. Yeah. And then I had, a, I had another day job where I was out. Like my, I was hired by someone who knew me, and she had no problem with how I presented, because I'm a fucking human, and it doesn't affect my job. And I, and I remember like one time a boss of mine came in from out of town, and... Like took me and I, I got promoted to this management job and he took me into his office and he was like I don't know what's happening here and I go well this is just who I am and he's like well this isn't who you were when I hired you and it was like very much implied that if I had been trans if, if he had known I was trans when he hired me he wouldn't have hired me and it was very much this like whole like and he kept presenting it like well I don't know from a customer service point he's like yeah, I don't have a problem with it but I'm afraid of a customer being offended by it and it was just like this weird thing of like oh so you do have a problem with it and you're trying to act like you don't have a problem with it um, but that's that's in the past and that sucks because like I did have to like closet myself at work really hard for a while because like, I didn't I didn't have and like well, that that conversation was totally illegal and totally a thing that I probably could have won a lawsuit over. But at the same time, it's like I talked to lawyers about it, and they were like, "You're not going to get as much money as you think you're going to get for that. Like, it's not going to make your life better, and it, it's it's probably going to make it harder for you to find another job, that kind of stuff." So I I just like just kind of had to live this awful life for a while, where I was like out in every aspect of my life except for at my day job. Would you have to go to job interviews, and would you hide it or? Yeah, back then I would, um, because I, I hadn't decided yet to transition. Now that I've now that I've been on hormones for two years, I don't think I'd be able to hide it anymore, and I wouldn't want to. But that point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do in the future, and so I also like it was hard to make a commitment to what I would do with my life. It was hard to like make that risk when I didn't know what the rewards were going to be for it. Yeah. But now, now I feel I have I have a good job right now, and that's part of why I'm like so hesitant to like leave my day job to go do comedy on the road all the time because like I have a job that pays my bills and helps me pay for my insurance that helps me pay for more medication to transition. So it's like, what am I gonna do? Is yeah, it's in it's in because I for the first time in my life have a job that has good health benefits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and it's a relief. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this shouldn't be a relief. This should just be a fucking thing. Yeah. It's like, why is this? Why does this have to be a relief? And yeah. Why do I have to do something I don't necessarily want to do? I don't. That's a whole nother. No, thing. but, but I, it, I know it, what you it, mean. It's, though. So it's just yeah. like it's maddening because I'm like, every there shouldn't be a thought for anybody to be like, oh, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself. I yeah. wonder how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and people people don't realize because I talked to Shaddy did my show a few years ago. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how challenging it is for trans people to get jobs. Yeah, it's a really high unemployment rate, and it's exponentially higher when you factor in like race too. Like a, a, a trans person of color is almost impossible to get a job. Like it's just and it's unfortunate because you, you already had the racism and then you have the homophobia and misogyny all mixed into this like cocktail. It just makes it ridiculous to get a nightmare. And and uh, I think a lot of people. I mean, when I 
first started learning about trans people, I was like, all right, I got to fucking find what learn about this so I'm not an asshole. Yeah. And not <laughs> and, but, people do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I had Shani on the show because I'm like, that's when she was transitioning and I was I was like, I, educate me and educate others because I, this, that was a few years ago and, you know, not a lot of people know. Yeah. But it's not that hard to find out either. That's the it's other real maddening easy. thing. It's real easy. Yeah. And that's that's frustrating. It's, it's weird how much, this isn't even like a trans thing. This is like a general cultural thing. It's amazing to me how much information about other people is available at a Google search away, and yet people will, like, you'll go on Facebook, and someone will post a thing you don't quite understand, and rather than go, oh, let me Google that, you will just ask them a question about it, and then wait for them to answer, and then it's like, and that's like, I get it, like, you're like, oh, yeah, you're talking about it, you I want to hear about it, and that's, that's fine, but that person may have answered that question 80 times this week, you know, and like, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> maybe give maybe just like and the thing is you know there's also the dark side of that is that if you google things you might find some horrible things too so that's also fair yeah. but like i remember there's a, there's a term there's like different terminology for trans things that i've seen people go what's this mean and i'm like that is such an easy thing to find on your own like yeah people need to it's amazing people don't utilize like i I am shocked that after all the constant fake news, fake news, fake news, like nobody sees an article and goes, hey, maybe I should Google this and see if it's true. Before. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, I've seen articles that have no date, no byline. Yeah. And I'm like- A website you've never heard of before. If I don't know it, I keep seeing the Palmer Report lately and I'm like- and that, and that, or you'll notice that these they come in cycles, like the uh, the Barrier Reef one. That that yeah, and that's like that started to cycle through again. I'm like, it's just. And the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know. Like this would be pretty big news. That first one, the first time I saw it, I fell for it. I and did I, too. I felt so stupid when I realized it was fake news. I think we've all fallen, like especially when pre-election and stuff, and now even still, it's like we're so desperate to end this fucking nightmare that we'll, we're like grasping at straws and we're like oh yeah. please please be re-. like even all this Russian stuff and I, I find it, like I'm finding I'm I'm finding myself getting caught up in the story and then like it's a movie and I'm going like oh well Flynn's gonna rat out and it's like yeah. there's no, there's I, no I, I was doing that before the election before the election I was like okay this is what's gonna happen I mean I'm sorry not before the, before the inauguration like in between the election and the inauguration before the electors came in to vote I had this whole elaborate thing in my head where the week of the election electors voting this whole thing was gonna drop and then the electors were gonna vote for Hillary instead and then it would all be okay again and then like they were gonna give all the voters who voted for Trump an out to be like oh we were <laughs> We were manipulated. We didn't know it wasn't our fault. We're not racist monsters. We just didn't understand what was happening, like that kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, obviously that was all BS, and so it didn't. You know, I kept thinking like, oh, Joe Stein's going to make this 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 vote get overturned, like that kind of stuff. Like anything, anything that would make me feel better about the world was happening, and I let it happen. Where do you sit with Jill Stein? Um, she hasn't called me back in a while, so I don't. <laughs> you know, like usually, I mean, I'm right-handed, so uh, I guess uh, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a Jill Stein fan. No, I, I did I, say I did get suckered in and donate money to her to her war chest for that recount, but I I don't I don't care for her. She, I just since she was also in that photo with Putin, it's just like wow, you've been real quiet. Yeah, and it made me. And I I actually was very down with her uh, a couple of elections ago. Like I didn't vote for her, but I was like I was I, I liked a lot of what she was saying. Yeah, but. Uh, I, she, I've turned on her, and I, I feel like I feel like she's kind of like liberal Trump, where it's like yeah, if I she got that. into office, it would she wouldn't it would be like you don't know policy, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, there's a reason I, politicians are politicians. What I think about her is that I I think that she was so certain that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. I think a lot of us were. I was, and I think there was a certain degree of of leftist radicalism that was so sure Hillary was going to win that they were protesting her presidency before she was elected. And I think though that level of protest was not the only thing that cost her the election, but I think I think it definitely helped. I think that it took people who were so sure she was going to win that they didn't vote for her in states where it really really mattered. Now, I'm not I'm not 
trying to say that is the entirety of what's to blame. I definitely do agree that Hillary should have campaigned better in certain states. I definitely think that she should have done more. Her campaign should have done more to reconcile with, with the Bernie voters. And I'm saying that as somebody who herself kind of turned on the Bernie voters who were still fighting her after he lost the, the, the nomination. Um, in retrospect, like I, I, I assumed it would be like every other election that I've been part of, where when I've wanted to vote for someone in the primary and they've lost, then I suck it up and vote for the main person. And I think in this particular case, there was a lot more hurt feelings involved, and also a lot of fake news that was hitting the left-hand side of the screen. Um, screen. Um, <laughs> That's but um, yeah, and I, I think that the, the, all that combined, there was a lot of like, well, we know she's going to win, so we're going to go ahead and start talking about her as this corrupt dictator character, not knowing that an actual corrupt dictator was about to get put into the office. I hope, I hope. I just pissed off so many listeners. I know it. I just pissed them off so much. <laughs> I well, I'm going to piss them off further because I yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I I hope people learn their lesson from because it's like this. A businessman should not be a politician. That's yeah. blatantly obvious. I mean, you could see that in other states. The governor of Illinois is a billionaire yeah. who's backed by a Coke Especially brothers. Especially not a, not a failed businessman. Like, he's not a good businessman to begin with. He never has been. He's been... like that. There was a whole Colbert report about that. Not Colbert report. The, um, the, John uh, Oliver? Yeah, John Oliver, about how, like, where Trump's successes have been is when other companies have put his name on things. Like, his name sounds successful. And so, yeah, his hotels, but, like, he doesn't really run them. He just He's just, like, a figurehead. It'd be like... Like saying that that he's a great businessman is like saying that John Hamm is actually a really great ad guy. Like no, he was an <laughs> actor who was being put as a figure to this thing. Like, uh, yeah, and people like I don't. I vote for John Hamm if you're president. I would vote for John Hamm. Yeah, good looking. I mean, you know he's going to make some good speeches. Yeah, clever guy. Let's yeah. But yeah, well the thing about where were we? Oh, just the lessons I think people can. can and also it was like. Back that don't the the thinking like oh if we Bernie's gonna win third I think a, a third party is I've used to be like we need a third party I'm like we can't and people are suggesting we start a third party and I'm like no not yeah, now I'm let's very, get through this fucking nightmare first this election has very much changed my opinion on third parties I think that that at least in the American system and I've seen other ones I don't, I don't know if I'm convinced that third parties really solve the problem I think it just divides up the minority the the, other, the opposition more like I think when you look at the history of like in Germany for world like leading up to the Nazi election like it wasn't like they won by this vast majority they won because they split the two hyper liberal votes and that's like the socialists and the communists couldn't agree on, on anything and so that's why the, the Nazis were able to win power like and I, I think that that's kind of what happened here I think I think my opinion I've been, is that when it comes to the left and the right in America, I think the right, both the ultra-conservative right and the more moderate right, will disagree on, let's say, like nine, this is the, not an actual accurate number, but like 90% of things. But they will rally around those 10% of things they do agree on and vote accordingly. And that might mean throwing out their own economic best interest. That might mean so many things, like voting against their own health care, voting against whatever, but they'll agree, like abortion is bad or whatever, or we don't need we don't need uh, Muslims that are in this country, whatever, like that kind of thing. Um, and, and then you'll get a few people who are like, the jobs are gone. We need the jobs back. We're against free trade. Like they'll they'll rally around those few things, and so I don't want to make it seem like it's all racist and, and sexist because there is actual economic turmoil that's being exploited. They'll agree on those few things and they'll vote accordingly. Whereas liberals, we will agree on that ninety percent of things, but we will tear each other apart over that ten percent of things, and then we don't win because of it. Well put. I don't know why my hand is always showing you what's <laughs> happening in my life. I, it helps me because I'm a very simple person. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll end on that because that's pretty great. But bef first of all, thank you very much for taking out the time to do this. Of course. And uh, what do you, websites, Twitter? Yeah, I, uh, I am a writer for a podcast called International Waters. I'm actually, I just got made the head writer for International Waters. Thank you. It's a it's a quiz show format podcast that pits American and British comedians together in a pop culture battle royale. And uh, I am now the head writer for it. Dave Holmes from MTV is the host of it. Oh, that's of, great. Of fame. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's great. And I've been, I've been writing for the show for about a year, um, and I just, got, I just got bumped up to head writer literally today, so this is great. Um, so you can check that out on Max Fun, and um, I am at Rye Silverman on Twitter. Great. And Riley Silverman on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, man, Dwyer. He's a wonderful man, oh yeah.
Thank you for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Listen to my other podcast that I do with my wife, Kelly Dwyer. After birth, we talk with comedians and musicians about their lives as being parents, because <clears throat> I'm a parent. And uh, we talk about the who we were before and who we are now, and it's really fun. Uh, thank you for supporting live podcasting. Review my show. And power to the people. He's got a witty mind and he goes on stage and he tells his funny jokes. Oh yeah, he tells his funny jokes to all the people. And all the people love to listen to him telling all his funny jokes. Good old Matt Dwyer. Having good conversations with all kinds of people. Lots of interesting people want to talk to Matt Dwyer, yeah, Matt Dwyer, yeah, good old Matt Dwyer, he's a brilliant man, he's a dark, dark man, he's a writer man, he's a wonderful man, having conversations with all of the interesting people in the world. the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.